It's a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. Good morning, welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport here on Dublin's 98FM. Coming up between now and 10am, Ireland's world champion boxer will be sending a message after her latest win. What is your message to her? Let's get it on. <laughs> Let's get it on. Ireland's own undefeated world champion, Katie Taylor. We'll be learning about a team of Irish lads doing something very cool right now on the other side of the world. There's 14, 14 of us Irish guys um, over here in Morocco, um, in Marrakesh. This week, we're actually representing Ireland at the third foot golf World Cup. Yes, the Football Golf World Cup in Morocco. More on that in a few minutes' time. And we'll hear from a personal friend and clubmate of the seriously injured Liverpool fan, Sean Cox, ahead of today's fundraising match to help him. We were on our way home from a challenge match with the mid team and uh, we got word that uh, something had happened over in Liverpool and that Sean was in a bad way. They've been going over to Anfield since the 1980s. Never once did they ever feel threatened or in, or in actual danger. That's the immediate manager, Andy McEntee, telling me how he heard the terrible news about his friend. They'll face the dubs today. We'll also look ahead to the Hurlers' Walsh Cup game against Offaly with ex-Dublin hurling boss Humphrey Keller and hear about Ireland's history-making medal in the swimming pool. We shall begin, though, with a former Lions, Ireland and Leinster man. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Shane Byrne, welcome back to Dublin's 98 FM. Shane, how are you? Yeah, good man, you? Great, thanks. Now, Shane was at the Aviva Stadium last night working for RT Radio, watching Leinster beat Bath by 42 points to 15, a bonus point win for Leinster. Now, Shane, we know this storm Deirdre's causing chaos, right? My little brother Tom was at the match and my mother in the family WhatsApp group seemed very concerned that he might actually blow away. Now, thankfully, he survived, the players survived, and so did you, but uh, fairly interesting conditions for everybody at the match yesterday. Yeah, it was actually strange because all during the day we were all looking at to see was the the game going to go ahead because it was absolutely horrendous right throughout the game. And then about an hour or half an hour before the game, it just went completely still like we were in the eye of the storm. So right the way through the first half, okay, the, the, the conditions underfoot were still wet, but it was absolutely perfect. No wind, no rain. And then the second half started, rain started to come down and the wind really came in. And that old swirly wind that still is in, in Lansdowne Road that has always been there really did affect the game. Yeah, it's actually kind of ironic because Leinster's first try by Jack Conan was probably actually helped by the conditions in that the pitch was so wet. Once he slid, he was never going to stop sliding. But for the players, apart from the ball being slippy and the pitch being slippy and the wind, what sort of, of, of tests and differences would it have made to them playing in those conditions? Ah, look, it's always challenging. There's a lot of things you want to do. There's, there's a game plan that Leinster have right throughout the season. You know, rather than adjusting per game, is always about playing running rugby. It's always about moving the ball and taking opportunities. Okay, they did it. They did it in different ways, but it does affect the game. Like you do have to realise that, like the ball is greasy constantly. You have to be that little bit more careful with the passes, as otherwise you will be, and you can't fling out the rockets that sometimes we like to see. Yeah, we have to say as well, well done to all the fans. Over 40,000 at the Aviva yesterday and loads in the East Stand left with around 15 minutes left, Shane, because the weather just got so bad, the swirling wind and, and rain, it was just impossible for them to stay in their seats. Yeah, no, it, it's it absolutely... like the, the, It just became really, really horrendous tradition. Tradition? <laughs> Conditions right the way towards the end of the game. In fact, Ross Byrne had to take a conversion. 
heading down uh, into the north stand and it was like a net hook of, of a kick but it worked it went over between the posts but he had to absolutely belt it against the wind that had come around because it comes in from the open end and then comes swirls right around the stands and pushes back down the pitch it really is very very awkward when it gets up and running yeah all those leg weights in the gym I'm sure would have helped him against that wind <laughs> no doubt Shane Lencer 28-10 up at half time and you know some really good play in that half but the quick try by James Lowe when Leinster being awarded a penalty and you know half the Bath players just turned their back and even half the Leinster players you know weren't quite looking at him and next of all he runs he touches the ball and he's over the line in seconds Yeah James Lowe was a real live wire right the way throughout the game he started very very strongly um, you know he loves taking the ball into contact people let go of him he forms a bridge releases the ball and then is able to pick up get an extra few yards which are you know very very important in those tight situations puts the opposition on the back foot but he was so aware for that try you know and that's just pure hunger that's the individual guy just wanting to get involved and that's what you want from your wingers he literally took the ball from about 10-15 yards away ran to get straight in front of the referee so the ref couldn't have any whinging that he didn't see it captain went right in front of him and I think my co-commentator uh, Jenny was just saying that I think it was five Bath players had their backs completely turned and at this level that's an absolute sin I'm sure Todd Blackadder when they do the video session would be absolutely rifling through those players Yeah he was but exciting stuff from Lencer and it wasn't the only moment Shane in the first half of excitement and I know everybody when they're playing in a rugby match if you have the advantage you can risk something you can try something because you know if it breaks down the referee will bring it back but that crossfield ball by Johnny Sexton in the wind across to Adam Byrne who times his jump perfectly right in the corner catches the ball and goes over I've seen on Twitter the word ping was used which is quite often used in, in football for a really good cross field diagonal ball but it was some ball by Sexton in the wind great catch by Adam Byrne and another really exciting moment of Leinster's first half yeah, it was a lovely sweep and arc and kick. It wasn't one of the, the ones he rockets way straight across in a straight line. It kind of arced, heading back towards the line. Yeah, as you say, they had advantage. He knew he could have give it a pot. But I think Leinster are trained to that. If they have advantage, they go for these. And so that the wingers are prepared, they go out and they push right out the line so that they can attack in the ball. And listen... You know, Adam Byrne is six foot three, and uh, he is a very, very big man. And given that once he can contest with the ball, he's going to be there, thereabouts. But he collected that absolutely magnificently. And topped off, it's been a while since we've seen him really in any kind of you know form in the Leinster jersey and getting on their start. And I'm sure he'd be absolutely delighted with that try. Yeah, we often speak about Sexton and the different types of performances he puts in for Leinster and for Ireland Shane and thankfully signed a new contract this week he's also going to do some stuff with us here on Off the Ball as well but just the fact that you know he can take the penalties take the conversions he can kick for touch and he can kick balls like that where he really has to get a perfect for Adam Byrne he just keeps getting better and better and his importance for Leinster again is you know can't really be understated ah, but like that's what Johnny Sexton is though he's an executor it's, it's not the you know, there's many out half of you go off the flair and his own individual attacking ability. It's not that. It's that Johnny Sexton is just his execution of an opportunity. He sees it and executes it perfectly. That's why he's so important to the Irish team and Joe Schmidt's plans that he puts together. It's very important that he has someone to pull the trigger on it. And that's what Johnny Sexton does. Everybody around him knows that he will give them the opportunity as long as they react to what he's doing. Look, it is again in abundance. Yeah, and a nice moment as well, live on TV when the cameras cut to Joe Schmidt, the current Ireland manager, and Andy Farrell, the next Ireland manager. And I think they knew they were on the screen, but didn't want to kind of look around. And the whole crowd just got up and gave them a round of applause. And 
that was a, a nice moment in, in the first half as well. In terms of the second half, Shane, it finished 42-15. And I know from listening to you on RT Radio, you were a little disappointed with Leinster maybe dropping off a small bit in that second half. But they've won the game by a bonus point, so they've got to be happy. But, but maybe could have been a bit tidier in that second half. Yeah, look, I suppose naturally it's very hard to keep the mental focus going right the way throughout the game when the scoreboard has gone so much in your favour but you know just a bit disappointed with some of the guys that came off the bench Some I would have expected them to come on very very hungry you know it's still a Champions Cup game you don't want to be making errors and, and they did and the game opened up a bit fast okay they didn't have too much to offer but the, the simple fact is that they were allowed into the game every now and again and in both halves they got two very 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 soft tries and they're things that I'm sure Leo Cullen look they got the results I'm sure everything is very happy in the camp but the simple fact is that is not the standards that he expects from this Leinster side so I'm sure there will be stern words when that comes up in the video Shane here's a question for you I was very interested because a few times in the game the cameras cut to the coach's box to the Leinster head coach Leo Cullen as you just mentioned and his staff as well and Stuart Lancaster beside him and laptops and MacBooks and headsets and earpieces in what exactly would go on in the coach's box of these big Champions Cup and Ireland games because we see them on TV but we're never really in there to kind of know exactly what's going on and you know they're in there and they're able to stay so calm and get a better view of the game but what exactly goes on in there? Well like it's, it's all about gathering information like they're not just sitting there watching the game like we all do and then you know, throwing their tuppence worth at it. They have a team of people around feeding them constantly with information. He would be watching out for the things, the plans to make sure that they're executed exactly as he expected. You know, the way it is that he would have ideas that happened through the first half and, and, and things he wants executed in the second half and he would like to see how the bench react. And, and then it all comes down to the old traditional how an individual gets on. Like Leo could have his eye on a player and just see that can he do A, B and C for him and he'll just track him for a while or maybe has one of the guys with the computers uh, tracking them because those guys are able to work Emmett Farrell and, and those guys are absolutely superb at their jobs and they're able to feed Leo with information literally as it happens and then cut video show him look did you see this they didn't cover this or there's a gap here Let's execute something there, get the message down up in the park. Yeah, and for people that have been inside the changing rooms at the Aviva Stadium as well, whether it be the rugby or the soccer, the managers do have access to big screens, to flat screen TVs, to projectors, and if they want to show the players specific video clips or images or, or grabs of stuff at half time, they can do that. But there's a big team of people working almost live in those coaches' boxes, and Leo or Stewart might make a shout back saying, I want that clipped, and the players come in at half time, and there it is for them. Yep, and that's it. And sometimes that's all you need in a game. I suppose famously, the Northampton, uh, the finals in Europe over in Cardiff, that that was all down to video that they were shown that you're overcomplicating the game. And, you know, that's when Johnny Sexton made the famous speech and then led the charge to win the game, the great comeback. But that was one of the first times that that could really be noted, that they just were shown that, look, you're doing so much right here. Stop overcomplicating the game. Let's just get on with winning it. And they did. They did indeed, and their next Heineken European Champions Cup game, Shane, is back in Dublin again against Toulouse, who are currently at the top of our pool. Toulouse have won four from four, Leinster three wins and one defeat as well. I know we've got a couple of Pro 14 games between now and Christmas and after Christmas as well, but all the attention for the next game in Europe will be on the RDS on, on the 12th of Jan and a huge game against the pool leaders. Yeah, look, you know, there's some great inter-pros coming up, um, you know, a lot of hearts looking to go, but there's no doubt about it, this this. This group is mouthwatering in, in the fact that Toulouse have kind of started to find their mojo again, what made them one of the, the great European heavyweights. And you'd have to say is that 
they're they're not showing any form or, or any show of easing off now with another bonus point win. So yeah, this group it's it's going to come down to the last week that will decide the group. But this game against Toulouse, in you know that is going to be so so important to lead into the last week because it's by no means will be done by them. But if Leicester can get ahead of them there it'll put them completely in the driving seat and that's exactly where they want to be Yeah and Enstra have two Pro 14 games across the Christmas break as well they host Connacht at the RDS next Saturday before the uh, traditional Christmas time game against Munster before they face Ulsters after Christmas as well and Shane that's it from you for Christmas as well because this is our last live show of 2018 we've got best of shows the next two weeks so uh, thank you very much for your time enjoy the Christmas break uh, the few points and a few uh, the few uh, mince pies there and we'll chat in the new year Yes I will take care now, still to come on, now that's what I call sport here on Dublin's 98FM. On Sunday morning in Dublin, it's not very nice outside, so hopefully Storm Deirdre will stay away. Katie Taylor will send a message after another win. Ireland at the Football Golf World Cup in Morocco. The Dublin Hurlers plans to make it two wins from two under their new manager. And we'll be hearing about the Sean Cox fundraising game between the Dubs and Mead later on. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilex Centre with exclusive Christmas gifts for every red. Yeah, good morning. You're very welcome back just after 20 past nine Sunday morning in Dublin. Nathan Whelan is here. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you? You survived the 98FM Christmas party on Friday? Just about. This is actually a cold from this storm, not the repercussions of that. Because you sound a bit rough there I and this was Friday. I feel a bit rough. I, th- I was feeling rough Friday morning so I think it's more of a cold on me than a hangover. Okay, now I know you stayed till the early hours. Those of us who are well behaved actually left before that. You were seen doing some uh, dodgy dancing. I have no idea what you are talking about. Okay, well, I was told you were seen doing some dodgy dancing. But anyway, last night on Saturday and Friday night, the two most popular nights in Dublin and Ireland for work Christmas parties. So if you had your Christmas party, hope you had a great time because Aaron Nathan certainly did. I did indeed. Now, Tell me about another lady who had a great time last night winning another boxing match. Surprise, surprise, Miss Katie Taylor. Of course, she was fighting on the undercard of the Canelo Alvarez and Rocky Fielding uh, massive fight for the WBA Super Middleweight title last night in New York. Katie Taylor successfully defended her WBA and IBF titles by dominating the previously unbeaten Eva Wallstrom of Finland in a sold-out Madison Square Garden. She outscored her opponent almost 2-1, to one, winning by a massive 100-90 to 90 on all three judges' scorecard. She spoke to the zone media after the fight. Yeah, I thought it was a very good performance. Eva is a, obviously a fantastic champion, a great, great fighter. So I knew I was up against it tonight. I knew it was going to be a great showcase for women's boxing. It was a fantastic 10 rounds. And it's just an absolute privilege to fight here in Madison Square Garden in front of so many Irish people. So thank you so much for the support. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard's sitting here ringside and Sergio Moore was comparing some of those flurries you were throwing to Sugar Ray Leonard. Is that something you've been working on in camp? Well, that's probably the biggest compliment I can get really to be compared to Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, yeah, I, I love I, Sugar Ray. is obviously my modern favourite fighter, so I watch an awful lot of these videos. and um, My goal is to be as good as him, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to be good, as good as Sugar Ray, but that's a, that's a huge compliment. Well, you're certainly one of the best pound-for-pound pound female fighters in the world today. Who who do you want to fight next? There's a lot of buzz about the next big fight for you. Who's on your radar? Well, I, the goal is to become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. So the, the, the WBO champion and WBC champion are, are, are on my list. And obviously, it's probably one of the biggest fights out there was boxing as Amanda Serrano. That's a huge, huge fight. Well, what do you say to Amanda Serrano? I know you're a quiet girl. You're very shy. But if she's watching right now, what is your message to her? 
Let's get it on. <laughs> Let's get it on. Ireland's own undefeated world champion, Katie Taylor. So she wants to fight Amanda Serrano. Now, she absolutely beat the crap out of Amanda Serrano's sister, Cindy, and I think her last fight before the fight last night. So the Serrano's better be ready because, as she said, she's ready to get it on. As well. Yeah, and after watching that performance last night, he certainly would not like to be on Katie Taylor's list for who's coming up next. Yeah, you were uh, explaining to me and you were showing me a video clip this morning of this part of the fight where Katie literally just battered your woman it, se- it seems like it's normal speed up until a 10 second point where it looks like extremely fast forward she puts about a 10 punch combination body shots and you can see people in the crowd behind her that are sort of wincing in pain I winced in pain and I'm in Dublin that was in New York so I felt it as well yeah we're looking forward to seeing what Katie does in 2019 as well 98 FM now that's what I call sport now, did you know that Ireland have been playing in the Foot Golf World Cup in Marrakesh, Morocco over the last week? Yes, you didn't hear me wrong. A World Cup for football golf in which Ireland are playing. Well, if you heard the show last week, we mentioned it briefly. And now we're going to hear all about it in more detail with one of the country's top foot golf players and a man part of the Irish team in Morocco, Gary Mullen. Now, Ireland lost in the team event in the last 16 to Netherlands. France have won the overall World Cup by beating England yesterday and Ireland still have some players competing in the individual event which finishes later on today. Now Gary, firstly, welcome back to the show. Tell us how things have gone so far over there. Hey Jamie, uh, it's great to be back and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so uh, there's 14, 14 of us Irish guys um, over here in Morocco, um, in Marrakesh. This week we're actually representing Ireland at the third Foot Golf World Cup, uh, which has been going on now since the 9th of December. So we've been over here now for over a week at this point. Now Gary, I know everyone listening, driving along in their cars or at home or wherever they might be listening to us this Sunday, they want to know... How someone actually becomes a top football golf player and ends up playing for Ireland at the World Cup, just the third ever foot golf World Cup as well. Yeah, so I actually got into foot golf oh, probably four years ago now at this point. Um, a friend of mine was in the United Kingdom um, and I just saw some pictures that he posted on Facebook of him playing foot golf. So I actually looked it up in, in Ireland to see if there was any courses within my local area or, or within a, a reasonable drive. Um, turns out there was one in Westport, which is roughly roughly about an hour's drive from my home house. And so I went down there with one of my mates and I was hooked ever since. Um, that was a little bit too far away, though, to play quite a lot. So what I actually did was I went to... Um, there was an old par three golf course that I used to play on when I was a young lad. Um, and what I decided to do was actually pop in there and ask them if they would be willing to let me dig some bigger holes in their course and open up a foot golf course um, in Cross, just on the, the Galway Mayo border there. Um, fortunately, the course, for me, fortunately, the course was closed for a number of years, so I was able to go in pretty easily, get it up and going, and it meant 2015, 2016, I was uh, running a course there in, um, in Cross, and I was actually practicing every day. So when the competitive side of things kicked off in 2015, uh, I was in a great place because I was actually, <laughs> for all intensive purposes, a full-time foot golfer because I was I was working there and I was actually getting to practice every day. So when it came to competitions, after I found my feet after the first two or three, I had a great run, I think, of winning four of the last five competitions in the 2015 Tour, which meant I qualified as the winner of the Irish Tour in 
2015, but I qualified then um, to represent Ireland in Argentina at the second World Cup. Yeah, great stuff about uh, building the golf course and that sort of stuff, Gary. Now, what's the competition been like overall? Over 500 players as well. And, you know, the courses here wouldn't be anywhere near what the course are like over there. There's bunkers and there's water hazards and stuff over there, which you wouldn't have here. But what's it actually been like? It's been a fantastic event. We have, there's actually three different golf courses in play and there's two golf courses on the at the Al Maiden Resort which is where um, we're based most of the time it's where all of my rounds have been played and then the seniors and ladies competition actually took place um, in Montgomery Golf Resort uh, which is just a couple of kilometres away here that's where the first three rounds of that competition took place so in terms of a spectacle for foot golfers it's been it's been amazing. The course is in fantastic condition. It's an amazing design. The weather has been brilliant. The hospitality has been brilliant. We're starting to see um, today uh, there's actually television broadcast being being done, and we're hoping, hopefully, to see see some of that. You know, help build the game and build the brand. I guess uh, it's the biggest event we've ever had um, in terms of foot golf with the most players the most amount of i guess organization that was required it's been it's been excellent it's been a real professional um experience um which is exactly what i guess every foot golfer wants to experience is they want it to be this game to be considered a sport it's still in its very early days but uh this will hopefully help build the the credibility of the sport i guess um and then we can hopefully look in the future, for example, in Ireland of getting, you know, recognised by the, you know, Sport Ireland as a national governing, governing body in a sport, which would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, the World Cup itself has been brilliant. There's been, I think, over 500 players, nearly 600, I think, in total across the, um, the team, seniors, ladies and men's individual competition. So it's been a, it's been a great, great experience. And I think it's something that, you know, because I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to go to Argentina, I've been lucky enough to play in two of the three World Cups that have happened. And they're experiences that will stick with me for a lifetime. So hopefully that will be the same for all of the other Irish players that are here. Now, Gary, on this show, we love speaking to different people who've represented Ireland in different competitions across the world as well. And you're no different as well. What's it actually like wearing the green of Ireland, you know, the national anthem at the opening ceremony and, and the pride you actually have of representing your country on a world stage and, and also what the future holds for this sport, which is still growing in the country? For me, it doesn't matter what you're representing your country in um whether it's a debating competition whether it's a sport whether it's whether it's anything a singing competition there is no greater um honor for any individual i think to to wear their you know their country's um flag and to sing their national anthem and i think we've been lucky enough to be able to to belt that out at the opening ceremony um it's been which is a truly emotional thing regardless of of that i guess you know it foot golf for probably you know the next number of years won't get the same exposure as other sports it is quite new it is quite niche um but there is you know there is a huge base of people that are getting involved and the sport is growing and the numbers are growing and there's more exposure to tv and media at the moment so you know my dream for that sport is that we can see it you know 
on TV, become being a mainstream broadcast sport. Maybe not all the time, but you know, more often than it is at the moment. And I think that would be huge to grow the game. Um, you know, in terms of coming here, representing Ireland, you know, every day throwing on, you know, your national kit, your national colours. Um, that's been a privilege. It's something I definitely won't, you know, ever take for granted. Um, that it was an honour that was that was bestowed upon me, um, and I was fortunate enough to come here as the the captain of the team. So, as well, the same rules apply. You know, to to be able to say that you captained your country, regardless of the sport, I think that's a, a huge a huge honour. And I hope, hopefully, um, it won't be the last time I get to do that. And hopefully, the next time you know it happens we'll be able to build on what we've done here and have more players you know a stronger domestic base of players that are more competitive against each other again and then fingers crossed we can we can build for the future and and hopefully you never know you never know we might might be able to bring home one or two one or two world cups or one or two trophies in years to come great stuff gary mullen thanks a million for your time from the irish team at the football golf world cup in Morocco and Nathan Gary has invited us when he's home to play around the football golf with him oh, I will 100% take him up on that because it's so much tougher than it looks well I've played it and mastered it so uh, what's, what? our, what's our bet I bet you Nando's I win oh I'm definitely going to pull this audio when you lose ok big game today 4 o'clock Sky Sports Liverpool Man United come on the Liverpool Reds yeah about that not a, not a great time to be United supporter but I'm just sort of going to keep the head low and hope for the best yes uh, looking forward to watching that game later on now last night and yesterday in the swimming pool we had a medal yes we did Shane Ryan made history claiming Ireland's first ever world championship swimming medal as he took bronze in the 50 metre backstroke final at the world short course swimming championships in Hangzhou in China yes uh, now the RT Sports Wars were on last night and interesting debate on Twitter about the winner of the manager of the year yeah, well, it's debatable when you can see how well Joe Schmidt done. But to be fair, this man here did deserve it. I feel as well. He was the Ireland women's hockey head coach, Graham Shaw. He obviously led the girls in green to the World Cup final, which they unfortunately lost against the Netherlands. But he won the RT Sport Manager of the Year, and I feel it was deserved. And uh, there was a couple of other awards last night. There was indeed. Johnny Sexton was named the RT Sports Star of the Year after a stellar year, one of the best in Irish rugby's history. And also gymnast Reese McLennigan wins Young Sports Person of the Year as well. But it wasn't a bad uh, week for Joe Schmidt because he was named the Phillips Sports Manager of the Year on Wednesday. Loved this time around Christmas when all the sports awards are on and you get to see all the sports people in one place at one time. So, so well done to all of those uh, winners of those awards. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Now the new Dublin hurling manager Matty Kenny will take charge of the team at home for the first time later. Having begun their Walsh Cup campaign with a 221 to 116 win over Carlo, the boys in blue welcome Offaly to Parnell Park for a two o'clock throw-in. The back-to-back All-Ireland Club Championship winning manager with Kula will manage the dubs for the next three years and of course he'll be looking to continue the momentum and foundations that he's laid for a successful year ahead. To tell us more, I'm joined on the line now by ex-Dublin hurling boss Humphrey Kelleher who, surprise, surprise, at this time on a Sunday is getting ready for a game of golf but Humphrey, thankfully, the wind, the rain and storm Deirdre has gone away for now and uh, hopefully won't be blown off the golf course. Well, hopefully, and uh, I also hope that the, the holes are in the right place so when I put the ball that it goes actually into the hole. Now, Humphrey, we've just been speaking to Gary Mullen playing for the Irish team at the Foot Golf World Cup in Morocco and uh, he's been used to some better weather. He'd be hopeful for, for more of the same for your own round. 
Indeed. Well, he, he'd have the sun anyway, but as long as we don't have the rain and the wind here in the island, we'd be OK. Now, Humphrey, onto the serious stuff. Matty Kenny appointed as the Dubs hurling boss on a three-year term last month. We haven't had a chance to speak to you since then because we've just been so busy with everything else that's been going on. What's your thoughts on his appointment? Is he the right man for the job? And if so, why? Well, certainly Matty Kenny is very familiar, Jamie, with hurling in Dublin. And he's been around, I think, for the last four or five years and in, in his involvement in CUDA is well documented. But not alone that, but he would have seen the other hurlers in the top teams in Division 1 when they would have played, CUDA would have played in the uh, Division 1 league. So he would not necessarily be, you know, he, he, it isn't just CUDA of the, the players he'd know. He'd know an awful lot of other ones as well. So he knows the standard. And I think man like Matty Kenny has high standards and I don't think that he would just go and take a job without him believing that he can bring that team on whatever team it is we also know that you know that he, he I, I think he, he almost got the job last year but Kula's success prevented that from happening but I think he is a good man in the right place at the right time for Dublin Hurling Humphrey, one of the headline quotes from Matty Kenny's press conference unveiling him as the Dubs hurling manager was, my task is to bring Dublin to the top table. How big, Humphrey, do you believe that task is? Well, we have to, Dublin hurling has to get a number of things right. And by that, I mean, over the years, our first touch in hurling is not as good as it should be. And we still are not uh, up, up to the top table in that regard. And that's, if I had put a, um, a number of challenges to Matty is to get the players uh, being the, the, the first touch to be correct most of the time. The other thing is to, you know, that we have to cut out uh, silly mistakes and silly kind of silly things that we uh, unfortunately give away. So there are a number of fundamentals that he has to get right, and I think he will maybe focus on those to ensure that we are able to compete at the top table, as he says. Now the Dubs opening day win over Carlo, as I mentioned midweek. What did you make of his first game in charge? And really happy to get a win. And managers often use you know these type of competitions to look at fringe players and young players. And of course, he won't have his full strength team available to him just yet. But what were your thoughts? on his first game in charge in that win? Oh, there's no doubt. And, and, and a team that has come up over the ranks in the last couple of years at the lower ranks, Carlo, certainly have improved. And I think they're playing in the, um, the, the, the top ranks next year in Division 1B. So I think uh, the win is a good win. Um, it, winning becomes a habit, there's no doubt. And I believe that Matty would, would have ensured that he would have had a, a win. But also, you know, he brought on quite a lot of uh, new players and uh, that is we would nearly call it I hate call it a B team or a second team but with that team going out uh, uh, last Wednesday night I think it was a good start to the season Humphrey our opening Alliance League game is at home to Carlo on January 26th as well so a little bit of time between now and then and a couple more World Cup games to go as well how important is this period for Maddie Kenny given he's new in the job as well and you know they're on the training pitch quite a lot in the gym he's spoken a little bit about that too and, and also having these games to get ready for what will be an important league campaign for him starting towards the end of next month Yes, the, the league is important. Championship is very, very important. But I think he's got to have a consistent team as well. Have a number of players who are happy enough, you know, to 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 want to fight for their places. I think that's what Matty will do. There'll be nobody guaranteed a place. And the way to see that is to understand that, you know, performances in in, in these matches earlier on the year are going to determine Matty's championship team, which is the ultimate team for the year. 
and he's, he's also got to, you know, to, to understand that some of the players who were there last year have to step up to the mark as well. Uh, I know that Liam Rush had a huge impact last year in, in full forward. Uh, I, you know, I think the likes of Danny Sutcliffe has to really improve considerably. I think he'll, he'll, he, he'll agree with that himself. And, you know, we've got to look at um, uh, the, the, the other inside forwards. I still think, Jamie, that we're lacking at least two, if not three forwards at the moment to be able to compete again against the top teams. The voice of the former Dublin hurling boss, Humphrey Keller. Humphrey, a final word on today's game against Offaly. It's a two o'clock throw in Parnell Park, a first home match in charge for Matty Kenny. Offaly lost to Leash last time out as well, so we'll be hoping to make it two wins from two for the boys in blue. Well, we saw what happened with, with Cool Derry, that they, 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 the Offaly hurling is not that bad. They gave Dublin a trimming last year in Crow Park uh, early on in the year. So, although they did beat him in the championship, I would expect that Dublin would certainly go out and win today and keep that winning streak going. Great stuff, Humphrey. Enjoy the golf. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jimmy. Now, on the way after the break, we're going to stick on the team of Gaelic Games with something very different. Meath faced Dublin later on in a football match to raise money for the seriously injured Liverpool fan and Dunboyne native Sean Cox, who is still very sick in the National Rehab Centre in Dunleary after being attacked by Italian football fans outside Anfield attending a Liverpool game earlier this year. His friends and family need to raise €2 million Euro to help him get better. They've raised around half a million so far. We'll be hearing all about that game and the plans to help get Sean better from his friend and current Mead boss Andy McEntee on the way next. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilac Centre with exclusive Christmas gifts for every red. Now the 24th of April 2018 is a date that will live long in the memory of the family of Sean Cox and unfortunately for the wrong reasons. Himself and his brother Martin travelled to Liverpool to cheer on the Reds in the Champions League against Italian club Roma. But shortly before kick-off at Anfield, Sean was attacked by Roma fans outside the stadium and he suffered catastrophic head injuries. He's still undergoing rehab and treatment at the National Rehabilitation Centre in Dunleary and his medical care is very, very expensive. The family via a website called supportsean.com are trying to raise €2 million euro that figure at the moment is just under a half a million. And later on today at Park Talton in Navan, the Dubs will face Mead in a football match, a charity football match, in aid of Sean Cox. Tickets available on the gate or from supportsean.com or also GA.ie. 20 euro for adults and 5 euro for juveniles as well. Sean's mother Martina, or Sean's wife Martina, should I say, and his sons and daughters Jack, Sean and Emma will all be at the match. As well as the Dubs and Mead and the Mead manager Andy McEntee, who is of course the former boss of Dublin Club Bally Bowden St Enders and a personal friend of Sean Cox and Andy Jones be on the line now Andy good morning welcome to 98FM thanks for having a chat how are you? Yeah I'm very good thank you very much thanks for having a chat now Andy would have been here of course over the years as the manager of Bally Bowden St Enders he's now the manager of Mead and is looking forward to taking on the old enemy the Dubs later on on Sunday at Park Talton in Navan a half one throwing but this isn't any type of match this is a very very special game in aid of the Sean Cox Tribute Fund and there's tickets still available on GAA.ie and also on supportsean.com it's 20 euro for adults and a fiver for juveniles to go and see the dubs against me then every penny raised will go towards the Sean Cox Tribute Fund and Andy's a personal friend of Sean they would have worked together in St Peter's Dunboyne GA Club over the years Sean of course a former chairman of that club and recovering in hospital in Dunleary in the National Rehab Centre after that shocking attack outside Anfield a couple of months ago as well and a couple of Italians are currently in prison for uh, that attack on Sean Cox as well and I suppose firstly when did you first hear of what had happened to your friend Sean? Actually we were we were on our way home from uh, from a challenge match with the mid team and uh, 
and my son Shane, who's who's uh, on the team with us at the moment, and uh, Donald Lennon and uh, Seamus Lavin, who are all on board. And we got uh, we got word that uh, something had happened over in Liverpool, and that Sean was in a bad way. Yeah, it's something that shocked everybody here because, you know, so many Irish people every weekend or every midweek, for example, Liverpool, you know, have done well in the Champions League in, in recent years. I was over watching one of the games there last year myself. And you go and you walk up to Anfield and you see the floodlights and you think, what a fantastic night I'm going to have ahead. But for Sean, he was standing outside a pub having a pint and his life, unfortunately, was changed forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I was talking to Sean's brother Martin there last week, and he was saying like they've been they've been going over to Anfield since the nineteen eighties, and uh, never once did they ever feel threatened or in or in actual danger. And I'm sure there's been occasions where you know there's been unsavoury incidents going on, but uh, they never they never felt endangered at any one stage uh, in particular. And here we have a freak accident, uh, an act of needless violence. And uh, uh, as you say, Sean's life and Sean's family's lives uh, all, all changed uh, permanently. Andy, how big of a Liverpool fan is Sean and, and his brother? Oh, massive. Sean's a massive uh, sports fan. Uh, huge, big, huge Dublin fan. Uh, we would often uh, award him wearing the blue jersey out in Dunboyne. Uh, one of the many that might be wearing blue jerseys out in Dublin, uh, but uh, big sports fan, big golf fan, uh, soccer, GAA, whatever it is, he's very much into it. Got into running, then recently himself and was was uh, was looking at doing the marathon later on in the year. Uh, so uh, Liverpool, you know yourself, Liverpool supporters club in Ireland is is a, is a fairly sizable club. And Sean would regularly go over to to a lot of the league matches and European matches. Yes, I wonder will he be up for the dubs or meet in the game later on? And I suppose you know from your point of view as his friend as well. And, and you know we'll speak about the family and, and his children in a moment as well. But how's it been for for everybody that knows him and that knew him the way he was to have you know visited him and spoken to the family about his condition now? You know the, the fact that now he's he's changed in 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 such a way because of what happened. Oh look, it's it, it's a shock for everybody. So I mean, uh, to to even not just to see him around the place and yeah, constantly Sean, Sean's son Jack and and Sean and Emma, the two kids and uh, Martini, you'd see them around and there's constant there's reminders everywhere that that uh, that the Sean we know is certainly not there at the moment and uh, he, he faces a, a very long battle if not a lifelong battle to, to have any sort of quality of life Yeah, the, the website supportsean.com has a, you know, a small little bit about his condition and the treatment that he needs and the amount of money that's needed to, to help him and it, just a small part reads over the past number of months Sean has been taking small steps but important ones on the road to recovery his journey will be a long and difficult one and the focus will continue on ensuring the best possible care to maximise the potential in Sean's recovery and we're trying to raise up to 2 million euro at the moment I think the fund is, is just under half a million at the moment as well and I'm sure the support of everybody you know, has been an aid to to the family as well. Have you seen Sean recently, Andy? And how is he? And how is that recovery going? I, I haven't seen Sean uh, since since the incident. And, and to be perfectly honest, Sean's Sean's energy levels are, are such that uh, I would say you know that his time with with people outside of his family are, is very limited uh, because it's you know as you say his energy levels are, are so low. 
that any sort of uh, level of activity has a huge impact on him. Uh, I mean, I think he's only recently starting to eat for himself. Uh, that that's one of the steps that Martin spoke about the other day is that he's he's now having uh, minced food unaided, uh, uh, which sounds such a simple. Uh, everyday occurrence for everybody else and now it has become a huge step forward for for Sean and for the family. Yeah, and so, like... Sorry, Andy, I go on. No, no, I mean, look, at I mean, it's it's just... I, I would consider uh, <laughs> Sean's time is, is so limited with, with, with the amount of energy he has that it, it, it should be left to, to Martina and family, really. I was reading as well that, you know, in the early stages of this recovery that, you know, he was unable to talk, unable to sit up unaided and that sort of stuff as well. Is the hope that the money that is being raised and, you know, the cost is massive. I, you know, have a, a neighbour ourselves who unfortunately sleptwalked out his top bedroom window and was in that rehab centre in Dunleary for years and the amount of time and effort and money that was, was spent on, on trying to help the recovery. But I'm sure there's a feeling there that this money is definitely a huge help because Sean is in the right place, even though nobody wants him there, he's in the right place to try and help him. Oh, there's no doubt. They're, they're fantastic people in Dunleary. Uh, it, it's uh, strange. Uh, we had an incident in our family. My brother-in-law had knocked off a bike and, and, and uh, banged his head. A very similar uh, timeline to uh, to Sean. Like spent, I think, maybe eight or nine weeks in, in a coma in, in Beaumont and then out, out to Dunleary. And the work they do out there is fantastic work. Uh, but I think the reality is uh, Sean can only be there a, a certain amount of time. Uh, and then after that, the uh, the meter is running, uh, if, if you like to put it that way. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of money to make, ensure that, that Sean has uh, the right quality of life. Yeah, we'll give those information details on the fundraising website in a moment as well. We've spoken about his wife, Martina, and you've mentioned his kids as well, Jack, Sean and Emma, and, you know, it's very, very hard to look at the photos of them outside court when they're walking in to listen to, you know a judge talking about their dad and these two Italian guys who've been found guilty of violent disorder and got three years and two and a half years respectively when you would think, given the way Sean is, that everybody would have wanted him to be locked up for longer. How are the family? Uh, I think, I mean, look at Martina is is an extremely tough woman. She's she's a very brave woman and very capable. Uh, but at the same time, there's no doubt that this takes its toll on everybody. Uh, and, you know, between exams and one thing or another... Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, life does go on, and Martina has to has to face the, those facts and try and, and try and deal with what's going on with Sean at the same time. So, you can imagine how tough it is on them. Uh, having said that, uh, there's been a couple of highlights for for Jack in particular. He won a couple of championships with the club this year, and uh, there's no doubt that that Sean would have been uh, would be would be very proud of him. Uh, but I suppose the harsh reality is that life goes on uh, with or without the, the the accident having having occurred, and it's just it's just a particularly tough time for for everybody. Yeah, Martina said. Obviously, the goal is to get him home. That's what we all want. All his family wants, and he belongs here with us. And I'm sure the family will be in Park Talton later on. As we said, a half one throw in for the Dubs against me. If people want tickets, you can go to supportshawn.com or also the GA website. They're twenty quid for adults and a fiver for kids as well. I'm not sure, Andy. Do you know are tickets available on the gate as well? Yes, tickets are available on the gate, and we would we would really. I mean, people have been very good with uh, you know uh, in assisting the, the fundraising, but. 
we would like to see people there on the day. Uh, the, the more people there are there, the more support uh, is evident for, for Martina and the family. So, I mean, Park Hatton holds, holds 10,000 and uh, I would love to see it. Uh, I'd love to see it pretty full later on. You know, it shows as well that, you know, this fixture has been organised, I think, between yourself and Jim Gavin, that sport is a huge part of all of our lives. You know, me as a journalist, you as a manager, all the players, all the fans, but also that teams can come together, you know, really just a week or 10 days before Christmas to play this match, even though the Dublin Meads rivalry is is great and you were mentioning about Sean being in Dunboyne in Mead in his Dubs jersey and all that will be put to one side for the greater good I suppose later on Yeah look there's no doubt that, that sport is a, is a great unifier uh, it can it can cause friction obviously uh, but uh, the, the, I mean it, it, it was uh, it was great that Dublin were so willing to come on board when when, when, when they when we came up with the idea and uh, you know I suppose between between Dublin, uh, Meath, Liverpool, uh, there's a lot of sports fans out there who would like to who would like to contribute to to, to Sean's recovery, and uh, this is a, it's a perfect opportunity for them. And I'm interested that you mentioned it's not just Gaelic football fans who can arrive to this match later on, as you said. Um, Sean was a big Liverpool fan and any sports fan really who wants to spend a few quid to help and if they can't even make the match they can go on to supportsean.com and give a few quid there anything they can but we'll be hopeful for, for more than just Ga fans there later Yeah look at I mean I think it, it'll be great to see as I say as many people there there is the opportunity to donate uh, online but at the same time we would love to see people there there's a bit of a half time entertainment we have Rory stories there uh, Doing a, a, a few gigs with with some celebrities as well, so uh, it should be. Uh, well, I hope it's going to be a really good occasion, a really positive occasion. Uh, it it would it would be great to to uh, be able to go in on on Monday morning or Tuesday or whatever it is with it with a video of a of a packed uh, park Talton to to show Sean the sort of support that is out there. Yeah, I'm sure there will be as well. And I mentioned the figures again, trying to raise around €2 million Euro to help Sean at the moment. It's just under half a million. And there has been donations from the likes of Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, Seamus Coleman, the Ireland captain who plays for Everton. Roma themselves gave 150 grand, as was a couple of their alleged fans, I wouldn't even call them fans, who committed this attack as well. And that again has shown that you know the footballing world really has tried to help here. Yeah, and 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 you know, from further afield, I mean, uh, Sean's brother Martin again just quoted on on uh, the other day that you know they've had uh, generous donations from as far away as Australia. So I mean, this this uh, entire incident has has shocked people, sports people. Just honest to God, you, you don't even have to be a sports fan to to be shocked at the at the, the reckless violence that that, that occurred. Uh, so I mean, there's 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 a, a human side to all of this, uh, and and people have been very very good, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll reach the target. Andy McIntyre, great stuff. Thanks a million. The best. Well, I can't really say the best of luck in the game on a Dublin radio station, but I can really in, in this scenario. So best of luck. Hope everything goes really well, and I'm sure we'll speak to you again in the lead into the the games coming up next year as well.
Yeah, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. And again, if you can make that match at Park Talton and Avon, it's a half-one throw in the dubs against Media. A very special match to try and raise money for Sean Cox. They've raised half a million so far, but they need €2 million Euro to try and help him get better. So if you can make the game tickets on sale at the gate, €20 Euro for adults or a fiver for juveniles. Or if you can't, you can still buy a ticket or support on supportsean.com or gaa.ie. Now that's it for another week on the That's What I Call Sport. Thank you so much for listening and to all of our guests. More from all of them in the podcast section of 98fm.com. We're back over the next two Sundays with the best of the That's What I Call Sport. Have a great Christmas, folks, and we'll see you in 2019. Bye-bye. 98FMs. Now that's what I call sport. Get the full show every Sunday morning from 9, only on 98FM.